In the grace, mercy, and peace of our loving Lord Jesus Christ, I want to welcome each and every one to our service of worship and celebration on an October morning that's a little chillier than we've experienced. But it's good to be together where we are warm in this, in this building and we have the warmth of, of each other uh, and the, the spirit of, of worship together. It's great to be together. First, a very special welcome to all who are visiting with us today. And if you are visiting, whether it's the first time or you've been coming for a couple of weeks, a few weeks, and haven't filled out one of those uh, Welcome to SPBC cards that are in the pew in front of you, if you would do that, we would really appreciate that. And then just drop it off at the Welcome Center in the cafe after the service. This past Wednesday evening, we launched our very much anticipated Christianity Explored campaign, and I believe we had a group of about 50 adults and 19 youth out, and uh, we had a great evening, and you know, and a fantastic start. Now, if you were considering coming but didn't make it last Wednesday, it's still not too late. You can still join us this Wednesday if you wish, and you can be, feel free to come out from 6.30 to 8. Uh, we start off with a cup of coffee and just uh, some, spending some time together, and then we'll be going through the study as we continue our time through the Gospel of Mark. Um, and also, if you, but if you do plan to come out, and haven't been, if you could just sign up at the Welcome Center, that would be a big help, just so we can make sure we have all the tables and chairs and everything set up that we need for Wednesday evening. Uh, we also, uh, there's uh, oh, our Thanksgiving offering. Uh, some people thought, well, not, we, we announced it a little bit late, so we're taking a little bit longer to receive it, okay? So if you'd still like to participate in the Thanksgiving offering, you can do so. Simply mark your offering Thanksgiving or indicate that on the, if you're doing it electronically on, by whatever means you're doing it so that the money is set aside. The money this year for the Thanksgiving offering is going to the Waterloo Regional Food Bank. Now, ladies, apparently, and I gotta get this right, you have something coming up on November, I think it's the 18th, I can't read my own writing. Okay, sorry? 18th, thank you. Okay, it's called Jingle Mingle. Okay, so you'll be hearing a lot more about that, but what we want you to do is get that time set aside and just so you have that, uh, that spot saved. And Adam, I think you have an announcement to make. Where's Adam? <laughs> uh, that's not the one I'm wanting. Is it light up tonight? No, I no. think Gary was going to do it later, but I can do it now if you want. No, no, you nope. do that one later. Okay, sounds okay. good. <laughs> we just had wires crossed. <laughs> it's all right. We got it straight now. And then Sunday mornings, folks, we do have a pre-service prayer group that meets in my office. Now, it's just a small group. We just get together, and we just want to pray for what's going to happen here in the service on Sunday mornings, but also for the work of the church and things that are happening in the world. And this has been one of those weeks when there's been a lot happening in the world, and we want to be much in prayer over this. So know that you are welcome. I'm there from quarter after nine till uh, roughly quarter to ten and we can pray as you come and as you need to go you can leave uh, we just have a good time of praying together now following this morning's service we want you to be sure to join us over at the SPBC cafe in the gym uh, get a cup of coffee sit down chat with somebody maybe you've never talked to before or somebody you haven't talked to for a long time 
it's really good to get together and be together and enjoy the fellowship we have with one another. God bless, and now, worship team. Good morning, church. Morning. Morning. It's good to see you this morning. Um, I wanted to start just reading uh, John 17, 33. These are the words uh, of Jesus he's telling to his followers to encourage them. And he said, I have told you these things so that in you you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, feels like this week, I don't know, there's, there's not a lot of peace going on. And um, we just really need to take that comfort that when we, we put our hope and our trust in the Lord, that we can find that perfect peace in the midst of circumstance. So whether it's world events, whether it's things that are going on personally, in your job or, or your family or, or other places, um, let's search for that peace, and um, the Bible says we'll find it. So uh, please join with me as we pray um, and commit this service to the Lord. Father God, we thank you uh, for today and the gift that it is, and God, we thank you that you are our perfect peace, that God, you're the Alpha, the Omega, you're the one who started it all, and God, you're the one who has the final word. Um, God, there's nothing impossible for you, nothing too big for you, nothing that will surprise you. And God, we know um, that, God, we, we as people aren't, aren't perfect. God, we have our, our failings. God, we have our, our trials and temptations. God, there's things that we've probably said and done this week that, um, that weren't showing your light or weren't showing your love. And God, we pray that you will help us, that, God, you will be our strength that, God, you will be our shield. That, God, you will help us when these things all around us are distracting us. That, God, we can just put our hope and our trust in you. So, God, we thank you for your faithfulness um, in the midst of trial. And, God, we thank you for your faithfulness in the midst of celebration as well. Um, God, we know that even though things seem upside down right now with the world, that, God, because of you and because of your sacrifice for us, God, because of your love and your son, that, God, we can be counted as your children, as your people, as your church. So, God, today, help us not just to be people warming pews this morning, taking up an hour of our morning, but, God, that we are your church, that, God, we are, are, are ready and living and active and ready to do your will today. So, God, help us to share that love with the people that we see, whether it's in our families, God, whether it's just people we, we run into on the street, um, that, God, we would just be your um, your church from Stanley Park going out to the ends of the earth. And we thank you for all these things in your name we pray. Amen. We'll ask um, if you're able uh, to please stand with us as we sing.
teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand up on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay When I cannot stand up on This time I'm going to do two things. I am going to pray for our kids as we send them off to their class. And I'm also going to uh, commit the offering to the Lord. So please join with me again as we pray. Father God, again, we thank you for today and the gift that it is. And God, we thank you for the amazing gift of these kids. And God, how they're learning and growing and, and changing in so many different ways every single day. God, we just pray that they would know um, that you, you love them, that God, you, um, you care for them. And, and God, you even tell us to have childlike faith, so help us to be more like them. And God, we know that they'll face um, various struggles, uh, various challenges throughout the day. Um, and God, we just pray that you would, you would help them through those, that God, you would help them to know that you're beside them and that, God, you, you do love them. God, for their um, hearts and minds, we just pray that they're ready for your message today. God, we know sometimes it's hard to have a, a settled spirit, but God, we pray for that for them today. And God, too, for their leaders, that you give them um, wisdom and, and peace and a whole lot of patience as they lead. And too, Lord, we pray for this offering. Um, God, just this small portion of what you've given to us and and God, whether it feels like we have a lot or a little, we just really want to be thankful um, that, God, you've given us um, everything that we have and everything that we are, and that, God, you've, um, you'll sustain us today, God, no matter what. So um, as we give, help us not to give um, in a discouraged way, but, God, in eager anticipation of what you will do, God, that we will be excited that we can give, that we can contribute to what you are doing here um, at Stanley Park um, in Canada and throughout the world. So God, please just take this offering, uh, use it, multiply it for your kingdom here on earth. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, kids, I think your teachers are at the back, so uh, head on out. Thanks for hanging out with us today.
worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Sing to the God who always makes a way. As he hung up on that cross, then he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the Forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Who wants to shout? 
I feel like we should be shouting to the Lord this morning and just giving him our praise and, and thanks for everything he has done for us. What a beautiful way to lead into our time of prayer as we come to our God. So would you bow with me in prayer as we come into the, the throne room of God? Father God, we have just sung a wonderful song of praise a song that speaks of shouting joy to you and joy to your name because you fill us with praise. And the words of that song, Father, that we've just sung, we come worshiping, worshiping the God who was, the God who is, the God who evermore will be. You are the forever God of heaven and earth. And we gather around your throne we lift our praise to you, O oh God. We gather to praise your holy and glorious name. We give you thanks for upholding and ruling all of your creation by your mighty power. In this season of thanksgiving, it's easy to see your providence in the sustaining land hand of creation for the glorious colors of leaves on trees, the bountiful harvests of fruits and grains, the rains that cause good things to grow, the sun that warms the chill of fall. Father God, we come with thanksgiving in our hearts, thanksgiving overflowing from deep within our beings, ever grateful for the God who cares for us, sustains us, leads us through the lives that we live here on earth. Thank you for our church, Father. Thank you for our brothers and sisters that you have brought together in this place. Thank you for the love and the care that binds us into a family of believers. Thank you for those who give up their time, their energy, their talents to provide leadership and guidance. For the many volunteers who do everything from teaching our children and youth to sweeping up the stones on the parking lot. Thank you, Father. Thank you for, for those who faithfully prepare the cafe every Sunday, those who set up the chairs and the table. None of these things, Father, would happen if it wasn't that they cared and if it wasn't that they loved one another. Thank you for what you are doing here at SPBC, and thank you for the work you are doing through our church. We especially thank you for the successful launching of the Christianity Explored campaign this past week. We earnestly want to pray for every person who has come out and have opened themselves to hear the good news about Jesus, explore the truths of your word. May your spirit be free to do his work, convicting, leading, revealing truth, changing lives, and may it be done to bring much glory and honor to your name. We pray for, your, for the youth version, the soul that uh, Peter and Amy have been leading with the help of their youth workers as well. Thank you for that, that campaign as well. And may, they, may the hearts of, and minds of our youth be opened to the need that they have for salvation. We would pray, Father, that, that you would open all of our eyes and hearts to what you have done through Jesus Christ. And might there be a harvest, a beautiful harvest of souls for you. May your spirit change hearts and give new life Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you are doing right here now. Heavenly Father, 
as our sovereign God and Lord, we know that you are the one who holds the world together, the one who rules over all things, all nations, all lands, even as you are the one who has our very lives in the palm of your hand. And we know that you care for and love all people in the world, and we would pray for, for the hostilities and the senseless killings and the hatredness between nations and people that have showed their ugly heads this past week. The senseless killings, the hate, hatredness between nations and peoples, none of this takes you by surprise. Not the killings carried out by by various groups, not even the war that's been declared. And other nations, Father, preparing to enter in. Father, again, we pray for peace. We pray that hostilities would cease. We pray that there would be an end to the taking of innocent lives and all the devastation that displaces people and families and nations. Yet, Lord, even as we pray for peace, we know that you have all things under control and that we can trust you for whatever the peoples and nations of this world must pass through. You are God. We are not. Our greatest prayer is may your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. We pray for our missionaries who are caught up in the places of unrest, in places where there is little or no trust between other people. We especially pray for Emad and Almas and Nathaniel, trusting that they were reunited with Timothy this past week. Protect them, Lord. Provide for them. Be very present in their lives. We ask that your powerful hands may be evident in the devastating earthquakes in Afghanistan that have taken thousands of lives, dislodged and displaced so many more families. We pray that you would help those who are having to live through severe weather, droughts and floods and many other uh, very unforeseen casualties. Not only for the people of the world do we pray, but we pray for the people of this church. For those who are finding it hard to just to make ends meet because of the rising costs that keep soaring around us. Provide food for the table. Provide work for those who need it. Be the God who has proven so many times over to be Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We pray for the many who have lost loved ones over the past three or four months. Those who still grieve the pain of separation, especially the loss of a spouse, of a parent, or of a friend. This morning we want to pray for Mealy, who is grieving the recent loss of her husband for Steve and Susan as, as, and their loss of a brother-in-law, for Stan and Aileen as they adjust to life without Peter, for Annie still dealing with the loss of her Brian, for Dick having to adjust to living without Bev, for Bill losing his daughter Nancy, for many others who have recently experienced the loss that, of life through death, O oh Lord, Prove yourself to be the God who wipes tears, comforts the brokenhearted, encourages discouraged spirits, who walks alongside as a companion, a friend, indeed, as the lover of our souls. We pray for those who need your help to go through the loss of health, the changes that take place in aging bodies and minds, 
the loss of abilities to do things that once were simply taken for granted. We especially pray for our shut-ins, those who would be here with us even in this moment if only they could. Lord, you know each one by name. You love and care for each one as only a loving father can. Be Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Be the God who is Emmanuel with us, touching hearts, healing bodies, restoring minds. Simply be the friend and companion we all need. And now, dear Lord, as we gather around your word, may we be attentive to the leading of your spirit. Would you remind us, uh, remind us afresh of the greatness of the faith that you have blessed us with. Lead us into the glorious hope that is ours through the living Lord Jesus Christ. Bless our pastor. Give him the strength he needs today, God. Touch him, strengthen him, encourage his own heart and soul. We pray all these things in the strong and powerful and most beautiful name we know, the name of Jesus. Amen. That's candy. <laughs> and if you're good, I'll give you some. Um, good morning. It's good to be here together in the house of the Lord uh, as we've been singing. It's, uh, it's a privilege and uh, what a gift to be together here today, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Uh, before we get into things, I've got a couple of short announcements. Uh, first of all, I'm going to invite up Mealy, who Pastor Paul was just praying for. Mealy, who has recently lost her husband. Mealy would just like to express uh, just a, a word of thanks to the congregation here. Good morning, everybody. My name is Mealy Francis, uh, sister of Steve. Sister-in-law of Susan Dearson, I started attending here about seven months ago. My husband, George Francis, passed away on October 1st, 2023. I would like to thank everyone for their love, prayer, and support during this time. George had a heart transplant over 28 years ago. At that time, the lifespan for a heart transplant patient was 15 years. We are blessed with three adult kids, two boys and one girl, and three grandchildren, one boy and two girls. George was admitted to St. Mary's Hospital on September 16th in palliative care for, palliative care. He came home on September 28th with the support of a full palliative care team. He passed away peacefully in our home with his, with, with, peacefully with our family at his side on October 1st. I have joined um, Christianity and explored to gain a better understanding to walk with Jesus. It was George's wish that our kids will come to have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
so that we can all be together again in heaven. Thank you. Thank you, Mealy, uh, and we will continue to pray for you and for your children, for the family. To that end, it's wonderful that you've, uh, you've been, or that you started attending Christianity Explored, and it's wonderful that uh, all those who are out on Wednesday uh, were there. What a, what a good night we had. We look forward to what God has in store as we dive into the Gospel of Mark. Uh, these next several weeks. It's not too late to join. If you'd like to join that course in the Gospel of Mark, um, yeah, we, we will make room. Uh, we had a, a good crowd on Wednesday night, but uh, there's always room for more. Uh, so uh, keep that in mind. Wednesdays at 6.30 till 8 o'clock for the next six weeks now. Um, uh, one more announcement. We've been talking about Shining the light of Jesus into the darkness of this world, which is especially important right now as we enter uh, this season. And I'm going to invite uh, my brother uh, in Christ, Adam, to come and share a special announcement about a very special initiative for all of us. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity to share a bit about our vision. Uh, It's for light uh, in the night. And uh, we're planning to do it on October 31st. So we're uh, putting together a small bag with a treat, uh, a tract, a Stanley Park Baptist bookmark, like similar to the one we did Christian Explored for each child. And our hope is to bring the light of Jesus into a dark night. That's fine. Maybe next week. Uh, To get involved, you can call the church uh, to request a sign uh, and bookmarks. And then you can put together uh, your own packages for the children. Uh, and the sign should be ready uh, next week. Thank you for your time. Awesome. Uh, Tractor treat. Uh, both. Uh, no, I think it's a wonderful initiative. We're going to have those signs available to anyone to put on their lawn so that when uh, the trick-or-treaters come, uh, they will know there's something special about who they're going to meet at the door. They're followers of Jesus shining the light and sharing the good news. So I uh, encourage all of you to, to look into that, to contact the office. Let's, uh, are there lots of signs? We, 20, okay. Well, let's make sure they all get taken. Uh, there's a lot more than 20 of us here who will probably be passing out uh, candy on Halloween. So let's uh, keep that in mind. Okay, speaking of candy, uh, these are, this is your Autumn Mix Jelly Belly collection. Um, who are, do, do we have any jelly bean fans in the house here? Right in the middle there. All right. I'm going to throw these right at you. Oh, man. These do not look good. Are these old, love? Are these... Is there an expiry? They're speckled? Or is that how they're supposed to look? Okay. That's... Okay. All right. All right. The bo- I got to say that the boys, uh, there's these special jelly beans that... Uh, they're called bamboozled. Have you heard of bamboozled? They, it's a little game. You buy a box of them, and so there's two different kinds of jelly beans. They look identical. The good ones from the bad ones, and the bad ones literally taste like the most disgusting things you can imagine. So you, you spin a little wheel, and it'll land on the color of the jelly bean. You have to take that color, and you don't know whether it's, uh, let's say, cherry or dirty socks. What, what are some of the other flavors? We got fish, right? Rotten fish, dead fish. That was 
Liver and onions is probably the worst one. <laughs> Dirty dish water, flavored jelly beans. What? Old bandage. I don't know how they figured that out. How to? You have to first of all taste an old bandage to know what it tastes like. Anyways, uh, I'm not gonna throw these out. I'm, but if you want some later, you can come get them. Why do I talk about jelly beans today? Because there was an experiment done in 1972. Now they didn't use jelly beans. They used marshmallows, which a little less exciting. But this was called the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment. Has, does anyone know what this is? This is basically a, a study on delayed gratification in kids. So you've probably done this. Maybe you tried this with your kids, or maybe you can when you get home today. Uh, when our kids were young, we, we tried this. You, you give them, you offer them one jelly bean now that they can have right now. Jonathan Thiel, you can have this right now. Or if you wait a half hour or let's say an hour, you can have a whole bowl full of jelly beans. So what do you choose? Which will it be? And then you leave them alone. You, you leave the room and you let them just sit and stare at both the, the bowl and the single jelly bean. The, the experiment didn't work that well for us. Uh, we used gummy worms, actually, didn't we? And uh, so we explained, we tried to explain this to the boys. They were pretty little. But we said, here's how this is going to go. You can either have the single gummy worm now, and at that, one of our sons grabbed it, ate it, and just walked out of the room. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one that was. Um, people can have a, a similar mindset when it comes to miracles and specifically the miracle of healing. Um, if you recall in the Gospels, Jesus had a group of people who followed him simply because of the instant gratification they got from seeing him do miracles. Jesus was there offering them the greatest gift in the universe, salvation, eternal life, forgiveness of sins in his name. But all they wanted was the show. Show me something cool, Jesus. Show me another miracle. Raise someone from the dead. Heal someone. Feed us all. Miraculously make more bread appear. If we have been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven of our sins and promised eternal life, which, by the way, is the ultimate healing of our body, mind, and soul forever. Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we will be raised in glorified bodies. One day in the future, we will be made like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's what we read in 1 John 3, 2. I believe that. Do you believe that? And yet, I know there are many, if they had to choose between that eternal promise or the temporal prospect of immediate physical healing here and now from whatever you're dealing with, they would take the, the single jelly bean or the marshmallow that is that temporary healing. Now, I'm not putting down healing. It's real. 
God can do that. We're going to look at two instances in our passage today where God does that in an amazing way. But my friends, we need to be careful about the focus we put on miracles. In scripture, miracles are never the point. Instead, God uses them to point to salvation in Jesus Christ. With that in mind, I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles. I hope you have them. If you don't, you can use the ones in the pews in front of you. To the book of Acts, chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I'm going to try one of these jelly beans as you're turning there. Ingredients. Pudding. Orange sherbet. Pomegranate. All right. It's all right. Um, the book of Acts, we've been talking about this. Uh, the, the, this is not the Acts of the Apostles. At least, it's probably not the best title for this book. I've been trying to sort of suggest the idea that this, this is probably better understood as the Acts of Jesus Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit at work in and through the apostles, and his other followers. That is the story that Luke is telling in the book of Acts. It's a story that he started telling in the gospel of Luke and continues to tell in in the book of Acts. And that was very apparent, the fact that this is Jesus, the work of Jesus taking place in Acts 9, when Jesus himself appears before Saul on the road to Damascus, you remember that just a few weeks ago, blinding him converting and commissioning him to proclaim Jesus' name to the nations and indeed to suffer for the sake of his name. And I think we can all agree, the conversion of Saul, that wasn't an act of of any apostle. That was an act of Jesus. Uh, The end of Acts 9 that we're going to look at today, we see more incredible acts of Jesus Christ. Specifically, we see the continuation of the miraculous healing ministry of Jesus. Beginning at verse 32, I believe I have this here. Luke shifts his focus from Saul, who if you recall last week, he's shipped off to Tarsus for safety in verse 30. And he shifts his focus from Saul to Peter. And here's what we read beginning at verse 32. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Annius, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Annius, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Annius got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, There was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the windows sorry, widows, stood around him crying 
showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word today. What an amazing passage of scripture we have before us here today. Uh, If you have followed the news coverage of the war in Israel, you've likely seen footage of the Ben-Gurion Airport just outside of Tel Aviv, from which Canadian Armed Forces rescue flights have been airlifting Canadian citizens and their families to safety, departing for the last several days. You've probably seen images like this. There are, there are a lot of news coverage on the ground there. Uh, we've got reporters reporting every day, of course, on this unfolding war. Why do I show you these images? Because this is exactly where our passage today takes place. This is where Peter came to Lydda and Joppa, which you can see on this map here. I've got a pointer. I'm really not good at it, but there's Lydda. There's Joppa. That's how shaky I am. Um, Where is that today? I'll show you. Right there, Tel Aviv, right there. That's where this takes place. I couldn't have written this. I couldn't have planned this. Today, it's a place of evacuation for a lucky few. But in our passage, it was a place of healing and salvation for many. Now, if you'll recall, the last time we saw Peter, he and John were traveling. They had traveled to Samaria to join Philip in the revival that was taking place there. You remember that back in chapter 8? Well, now Peter has made his way south, southwest into the coastal region, also called the Plain of Sharon. And he's made his way to the town of Lydda, which, as you can see, was roughly about 50 kilometers west of Jerusalem. And Luke is really cut and dry. It's a short account. He he really just gets to the point, gets to the facts here. Luke tells us that he made his way. Peter traveled there. He made his way there in order to see and visit the saints who lived there. The saints. That's why he went, to encourage the saints, to visit with them. But God had another purpose for Peter going there. And we see this in verse 33. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Now, in calling Aeneas a man, also translated, you might have a version that says a certain man, Luke is making clear that Aeneas was not a disciple. He was not a follower of Jesus. 
the saints. He, he makes that distinction. Peter went to visit the saints. Annius was a man. He was not a saint. And as we see, he, he had been bedridden, paralyzed for eight years, which means this. Most people would have nothing to do with him. The Jews believed that for a person to be afflicted like this, paralyzed, either they or their parents must have committed some grievous sin because this was clearly the punishment of God. So Annius would have been an outcast. People would have avoided him. Do you remember the story of the healing of the, the lame man in Acts 3? He, he was begging at the temple gates. Do you remember that? And Peter and John, they, they go right up to him. They see him. They, they give him their attention. And, and he's looking for money, but Peter gives him something much better. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. And the man was healed. Well, we see a very similar scene unfolding here. Peter did not avoid this man. In fact, what's really interesting, it says Peter found him. So Peter goes to visit the saints in Lydda, modern day, just outside of Tel Aviv. That's where he is. He goes there to, to bring encouragement. But when he goes there, he finds a paralyzed man. He finds him. That word found, really, really important. It's this really neat word, hirisco. And Luke uses this very carefully in both his gospel and this book here, the book of Acts. If you cross-reference this word, it will take you to Luke 15, 6, which is the parable of the lost sheep. Here's what we read. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I have found my lost sheep, same word, no coincidence. I have found my lost sheep. In this parable, the lost sheep may well have needed physical healing. It was stranded somewhere out in the plains alone. A sheep could easily fall over. And when a sheep falls over, it can't get back up. And it's just laying there, prey, waiting for a predator to devour it. But the shepherd sought out that lost sheep. That's the whole point of this parable. He went out to find him, not just to pick him up and put him on his shoulders and rub his legs like he would have, but he went out searching for the sheep in order to bring it back to the fold, to redeem, to restore that lost sheep. Jesus said this in Luke 19, 10. He said, the Son of Man has not come. No, rather, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Aeneas needed physical healing, absolutely. Yes, he was paralyzed. But that wasn't his greatest need. There was a much deeper, pervasive, terminal sickness a cancer fatal to his soul called sin. 
that made him lost. He wasn't just paralyzed physically. He was lost spiritually. And that is why Peter sought him out and found him. Because this man needed saving. Sure, his body, yeah, needed healing, but his greatest need was saving to be forgiven from his sin. So being led and filled by the Holy Spirit, Peter found Annius, and when he did, he didn't just, notice he didn't stop and pray for healing. He didn't lay his hands on Annius. He didn't anoint him. He simply pronounced the healing in Jesus' name. Annius, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, take, your, take, take care of your mat. Some translations say, get up and go make your bed. <laughs> Notice, Peter didn't say, I heal you, or I heal you in the name of Jesus even. He said, what? Jesus Christ heals you. Peter was simply announcing what Jesus was doing through him. Like Saul, we saw last week, Peter was his instrument, Jesus' instrument to carry his name. And there is healing in the name of Jesus. We've said this before, to do something in the name of Jesus is to act consistent with his will. To do what he would do if he were here. It's to invoke his power and presence and to act in his authority in the book of Acts. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and my friends. That's all authority in the universe belongs to Jesus through whom the universe was created. Unparalleled authority to heal and restore, to release and deliver, authority to advance the kingdom of God. And he invested that authority in all of his apostles. And he commissioned them to do what? To preach to be his witnesses everywhere, right? You will be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses, my martyrs, what that means, to go out and to share the gospel, the good news that saves people's souls and that will ultimately heal their bodies too. What is it that causes sickness and disease and leads to death? Sin. Sin. The wages of sin is death. That's what we all have coming to us. And not just physical death. We will all die. But spiritual demise. We will perish. We will be separated from God in hell. That, that is what my sins have earned me. And that is what we need to be saved from. That's a penalty that I owe. That's a penalty that you owe, whether you like it or not. And all of us will have to pay it. Problem is we can't pay it on our own. Only Jesus Christ could pay it. So he, Peter heals this man in Jesus' name. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, take care of your mat. And then we read this immediately. Immediately, Annius got up. We've seen this, right? Every instance of healing in the book of Acts, it's immediate and complete. It's not gradual. It's not like go home and, and take these pills and go see your physiotherapist three times a week. No, he got right up. Immediately. And then all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him 
and turn to the Lord. My friends, this story is a powerful example of of what we are called to do as Jesus witnesses. Now, I'm not saying God is going to use you to go out and miraculously heal the sick. But what he will do and what he has called us to do is to shine the light of Christ, to show his love and to share the good news, the gospel with those who are lost and hurting and broken, physically and spiritually, which is exactly what Peter does. He finds this man in his brokenness. He's lame physically. He's lost spiritually. And then Peter, well, Jesus through Peter heals this man, heals his body and saves his soul. So here's the question. um, Who are the broken ones that God is calling us to reach out to with the gospel of Jesus? May the Holy Spirit open our eyes to see those lost people that were that person along our path. And may he enable us to tell them the reason for the hope we have to share the saving gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And my friends, Jesus is still in the business of seeking and saving the lost today. He is. He's doing it every day. So through this mighty act of healing, Aeneas' body is healed. His soul, along with the sin-sick souls of the entire region, were saved I love that. It says, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. We'll come back to that in just one second. But then we get into that second half of this story. Dorcas. <laughs> Dorcas. Same, same name, different language. Tabitha, Dorcas, they mean deer or gazelle. That's what her name meant. But what's funny with this story is it's completely different from the healing of Aeneas. Notice Peter does not seek out Dorcas. He didn't have to find her like he had to find Aeneas because she had already been found. She was a believer. She's a disciple, in fact. That's what Luke makes clear. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, disciple of Jesus Christ. Disciple means learner. She was following him. And she was always doing good and helping the poor. She was a good disciple. Peter didn't need to heal her because she had died already. Her soul had gone to be with the Lord. So it's, it's just a very different scene we have here. The disciples of Jesus, by the way, <laughs> we will get sick and we will die. We know that. And when Jesus' followers die, like Dorcas, they would have we go to be with the Lord. So again, she did not need physical or spiritual healing because she'd already been guaranteed both. Now, Lydda, Lydda was close to Joppa. We saw that on that map, not far away at all. And uh, so the disciples there at Joppa, they hear that Peter's in Lydda. And so they send a couple of their, their guys to, to go to Peter and urge him plead with him, please come at once. And Peter responded to their pleas, not only to come, but presumably to to come and heal their friend. And here's what we read. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying, showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Would have been quite a scene. Now, we don't know. Were they telling him, please, please? Were they just crying? Was he just consoling them? Or were they saying to him, can you do something? Can you raise her? We, we, we don't know. But 
What we do know is Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Interesting, right? So in the case of Annas, he didn't pray. He just pronounced healing. Jesus Christ heals you. Here he, he stops. He gets down on his knees and he prays. We're not told what he prayed, but he prays. And then, turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. I wonder, by the way, if the reason Peter had to help her up to her feet was because she might not have wanted to get up. You ever think about that? Her soul had just been with the Lord in heaven. She had this amazing foretaste of of glory. And and now she's back on earth. Her eyes open. She's here for a little while at least. Now, by the way, this is not a resurrection, but a resuscitation. Very different. She would die again. We don't know when, but she would. She did. She did. And when she did, she would be with the Lord forever, which is what she no doubt would have been telling people about once she came back. Because the result of her being raised back to life was what? Was that it became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. This right here, my friends, is why Jesus brought her back to life. He performed this miracle through Peter because just like in Lydda with Annius, there were many lost souls that needed to be saved. Consequently, many people believed in Jesus, not just because they could see Dorcas walking around and hear the story that her friends had to tell about it, but probably because they heard her story too, what she had to say. No doubt she was back and she was probably going to tell as many people as possible. Not only what she'd experienced, but how to get there. That the only way to be saved, the only way to be made right with God, to enter heaven, enter his presence forever, is through saving faith in Jesus Christ. That was her longing to go back there, I'm sure. And she did. And one day, we'll we'll be able to meet her and hear her story. We'll be able to fill in all the blanks of of what we don't know here. I guess my question for us is this. Does God still do this? Can he? It's important to recognize, I think, the very unique miracle working ministry of the apostles. Their ministry was very special because through it, God established and validated them as those he had authorized, Jesus had authorized, empowered, and commissioned to act on his behalf, to be his ambassadors. Having said that, let me be clear. Our God can work miracles. He still does. He can heal any person of anything, anywhere, anytime, in any way he chooses, either naturally over time or supernaturally in an instant, according to his sovereign purposes. I believe that. I believe that's what God's word clearly teaches. Now, Some of us know and can attest to his healing power at work in our lives or in the lives of people we know. However, I do think we need to be clear. God does not always promise to heal miraculously like this, like we've seen. There are many instances in scripture where he actually chooses not to heal very deliberately. 
physically. Even those who are strong in the faith, like the Apostle Paul, who pleaded with God, right? He pleaded with him to remove the thorn in his flesh, but he didn't. Instead, God pours out his all-sufficient grace and teaches that very important lesson that we talked about last week, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. We saw that in Saul's humbling escape from Damascus, right? That was the principle there. However, the ultimate purpose of God pouring out his power in Acts, my friends, is not for physical healing. In fact, it's never the point. I mentioned that earlier. Like all the miracles and wonders God performs, miraculous healing is a sign. It's a picture that points to something. John explains the purpose of all Jesus' miracles and the gospel itself in John 20, 30, memorizes these verses. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that is, these miracles, the accounts of of these wondrous works are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That right there is the purpose of God's miracle-working ministry, period. And it's the same purpose here in Acts 9. God's miraculous work of healing is never simply to relieve people's pain or to restore their bodies, but ultimately to redeem their souls in Jesus' name through the proclamation of the gospel, which is the greater work by far. The ultimate picture and purpose of physical healing in the Bible is the promise of spiritual healing, salvation in Jesus' name, both for those who experience the healing and for those who witness it or those who hear about it, or those who hear people telling other people who hear about it. And in our passage today, there were many of those. This is the real focus and point of this section of scripture, my friends. By the way, the two most important verses in this whole section are right here. Verse 42, this became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Acts 2.41 says, The Lord continued to add to their number daily those who were being saved. The church continued to grow. Cross-reference this. It's continuing to grow here. The other important verse, verse 35. All those who lived in Lydda, look at this, all of them, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw Annius walking around and did what? Turned to the Lord. Angels in heaven do not rejoice in the same way over physical, someone being physically healed as they do over someone repenting of their sins and surrendering in faith to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. That's what causes celebration in heaven over one person who repents and believes and is saved and promised, by the way, not just salvation, yes, but ultimate healing of their body, their mind, their soul. If you are a follower of Jesus, that is a promise. What are you going to choose? The jelly bean? Again, not to diminish physical healing here and now, instantly. But what is greater? In fact, Jesus said that. So what do you think is the greater work? That I forgive sins or heal someone? 
The answer was that he forgives. He can do that. He alone can do that because he alone is God, God's one and only righteous son who died while we were still sinners so that we could be made right with God, saved and given this promise. By the way, I just got to say this. I don't know what the subtitles in your Bible say. What does it say? Mine says, this whole section just says, Annius and Dorcas. Some say the healing of Annius, and then the next subtitle is the restoration of Dorcas. I'm not a fan of these subtitles. (laughs) These are not inspired. These were added later. They're there to guide us, but they completely miss the point of this passage. This is not the story of one man being healed and one woman being raised. This is the story of many, many, many people being saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. Does Jesus want to heal you? Yes. Yes, he does. And if you turn to him in faith, if you repent of your sins and surrender to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, for salvation, one day he will heal you perfectly. It's a promise. 1 Peter 2.24, by his wounds you have been healed. Perfect tense. We will be healed fully and completely. The healing of Annius and the restoration of Dorcas is but a preview of our ultimate healing, my friends. The perfect restoration of body, mind, and soul when Jesus Christ returns and makes all things new. What God has done partially through these miracles on earth, he will do completely in our heavenly future. Here's what we read in Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. Neither shall there be sickness, might I add, or need for healing. For those who fear his name, who have surrendered to him for forgiveness, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Malachi 4.2. A new day is coming. Your promise, your healing is a promise that God has made if you are his follower. God can and may bring physical healing here on earth, or he may not. But every follower of Jesus can be absolutely sure that one day he will bring absolute, ultimate, physical, emotional, spiritual healing from a broken body, mind, and soul forever through faith in Jesus' name. And that's the victory that we have to celebrate today. The victory that is ours through faith in Jesus. Paul writes, thanks be to God who gives us that victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the promises of your word that are true, that we can bank on, that we can count on. Father God, I thank you for the hope that you have given us. Faith in the future tense that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in a glorified body, so one day we will be too if we have repented of our sins and surrendered in faith to him for forgiveness. And I thank you, Father, for all of those here who have, 
who will one day meet Aeneas and Dorcas and hear their stories, but one day will we'll run with them and will be able to inhabit those bodies that you've promised us, God, and in eternity with you forever in the glorified presence that you have promised us. Your glory we will see. We will become like you. What a, what a hope we have, and we thank you for it. Help us to be ready to share the reason for it with anyone who would ask us. Father God, help us to identify, to see the people who are broken in our lives who need to hear what we have hidden in our hearts, the gospel, the saving news of Jesus Christ, and empower us to speak up and to share it, to show them your love, to reach out, to show them the kindness of Christ, but not just to do that, to to back it up with an explanation for why. Father God, thank you for what you're doing in this world. Lord, we do pray. We've, we've talked about this region, Israel. We saw it right there. This is where all this took place. As Ken mentioned at, at the beginning, Father, peace is found only in Jesus Christ who has overcome this world. And that's what we pray ultimately. Yes, for a ceasefire. But ultimately, Father God, that, that people would be saved in the name of Jesus. That they would be made right with you through faith in your Son. Father God, that is the peace this world needs, and that's what we pray for. May we be peacemakers and conduits of that peace as we go from here this day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And as we uh, respond, we'll ask you, if you're able, to stand with us and sing Victory in Jesus.
heard about a mansion He has built for me in glory And I heard about the streets of gold Beyond the crystal sea About the angels singing And the old redemption story And so sweet day I'll sing up there The song of victory That was amazing. Uh, to God be the glory. Uh, thank you, team, for leading us. Uh, just a quick announcement. Uh, if you are a leader, a small group leader from Christianity Explored, we have a, just a short, very short leaders meeting in this door right through here uh, following the service. Uh, it'll be short, 10 minutes, and then we can get back into the gym and join everyone else for a time of fellowship that we, all, we always look forward to each week. Now receive the Lord's blessing. This is from 1 Peter 5, and here's what Peter writes. May the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.